All right. How are you guys doing? I feel more like liberated holding the mic. It's weird. But just not having, like, knowing that it's coming just from right here, there's something, I feel a little like I could do something risky, you know? Tell a, tell a joke. Actually, I did, I did have a joke for you guys, but I tested on the worship team, and they said it was a groaner. So I'm just going to skip that. Hey, the, my name is Wilson. I'm one of the executive pastors here at Vineyard Northwest. And um, the last two weeks, we've been in a series called This Is Us. And the, the point of this series has been just kind of defining who we are as a church. And the metaphor we used was um, that this church is like a bus and that it's going to a certain destination. And that we've been called by God to go to a certain place. And so we're just trying to rally people around, making sure that you're on the right bus and you even understand where this bus is going. Does that make sense? So um, in that series, my, one of the things my dad talked about a lot was just our heart for the community of Coleraine and how we want the impact we want to see and the change and the transformation and the change agent we want to be. Really, we want to be a servant of Coleraine in Cincinnati. We want like Coleraine in Cincinnati, like man, Vineyard Northwest, that's one of our best friends because they're there when we need them. And a specific thing we have a heart for is the opioid epidemic and heroin overdoses and people struggling with addiction. And so this week we got an email on uh, Wednesday uh, letting our staff know and some leaders know that there is a young man who doesn't go to this church, but his family goes to this church who had taken some drugs, some drugs laced with fentanyl and, uh, was just in really, really bad shape, found in a parking lot, and was rushed to the hospital, obviously. Um, he, was, he, had two, he was going at two breaths a minute, no brainstem activity, um, no pain response, pr- pretty much dead. His, his uh, older sister is an is a officer in the Navy, and she was flown off of her, her uh, aircraft carrier somewhere around the world back here just to try and like, you know, kind of say goodbye. Well, we changed that story, okay? And um, my mom, Lori, one of the founding pastors of the church, got a team together, another staff member, and another just leader in the church, went to the hospital, and he is home now. He is walking. He's, he's healed. Like, he's, he's all better. So we just found out about that um, in between services. So pretty cool. We just want to see more of that. We want to be a part of heaven coming to, coming to Cincinnati and coming to, and coming to Corian. But can we just pray? Because there's going to be a path for that dude to walk after this moment. And there's so many other people that need our support and prayer. So let's just pray really quick for people struggling with addiction and family and families. Because it just touches um, so many aspects of our, of our lives and our society. So Father, first of all, we just speak your blessing on humanity. I just speak your blessing on this earth and on people. We just agree with you in saying that you love the earth. You love humanity. You love the world. You just, you, there's no bigger way you can say you love it than by sending your son and Jesus by you willingly sacrificing yourself. So we just, first of all, in our hearts, we agree with your love for the world. And from that place, we break the back of the enemy in Jesus' name. We say you've been defeated at the cross. Addiction, no. We just say no to you. In Jesus' name, spirit of addiction and just influences that are higher than the things we can see with our eyes. We come to you in the name of Jesus and we say, stop. 
In Jesus' name, by the blood of Jesus, not by our authority, but by Jesus' authority, stop. I just pray for acceleration on people's recovery. I pray there just be grace on people where it's not said anymore like that's their first overdose, but it said that's their only overdose. And that we would just see such traction and breakthrough with people healing and um, taking steps forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, my message this morning, the title is Avoiding Offense. Okay? And who can relate to that picture up there? Anybody? Can anybody relate to that picture as of this morning? I've heard it said that it's like a tradition that on the way to church, you have to get in a fight with your spouse. So, look forward to that if you're not married yet. Just this morning, you know, my daughter... Took her diaper off, peed on the floor, and my first thought was, why didn't you put a diaper on her, babe? Uh, You know, I was offended. I was thinking, like, come on. And obviously, the question is, why didn't I put a diaper on her, you know? Not why didn't she? But who can relate to being offended? Right? How how easy is it to place blame on other people and to just be wondering what other people are thinking? Well... I have some stuff that God was speaking to me about this week around this topic, and I'm not preaching this message from a place of like, I have arrived, okay? I'm preaching this from a place of vulnerability and from weakness and from just saying, Jesus, I am growing here. And I just want to share with all you guys the things that he's teaching me and and how, how I'm growing. So here's my definition of offense. The state of being insulted. So just slow that down for a second, the state of being insulted. What I'm going after this morning is an inner heart condition. What I want to talk about is how we respond as a person, as a human, to our negative emotions towards other people. And especially when we feel justified, we feel like, oh look, they caused this, like how I feel right now, that's because of what they did. That's because of what they said. That is what I'm talking about with offense, all right? We should be offended with Things Jesus was offended. Jesus was offended when people kept children from him. Okay? Jesus was offended with the religious leaders mistreating um, the, the, the believers and the, the, the people they were supposed to be shepherding. So it, there, is a, there is a sense where there's a, like a righteous and a good offense. But what I want to talk about this morning is that heart place we're in where it feels like we can't love somebody because of what they've done. Or where it feels like we're angry. Or we feel like we want to pull away because of the way someone's acted or what they've said or how they've treated us. There's two stories that I want to just dive right into that I think really model this and that God was really speaking to me through. You know, a wise person told me, when you read the Bible, pray this prayer. God, show me something I wouldn't have noticed unless you had shown me. Okay? So that is called revelation. And we receive revelation, there's actually power on it for transformation. That was good. If I had a Twitter, I would tweet that. Um, when, there, when there's revelation, there's power for transformation, okay? So here are the things that I was noticing as I read, the, as I read these stories recently. If you look at Luke uh, 10 with me, this is a story about two sisters named Martha and Mary. Um, really popular story. All of us know it. And honestly, the punchline of my point, all of you guys already know. Okay, so I'm just saying, Martha gets offended. That's the point of me reading this. But let's read it. Luke 10:38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. 
And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Relationship with Jesus is more important than serving him. That's what he was telling them was, hey, look, I want to be with you more than I want you to do things with me. You know, who's ever heard it said there were human beings, not human doings? The things we do for God should come from either a current place of intimacy or we should recall the last moment of intimacy we had and then step forward again from there. I don't ever want to just be spinning my wheels doing things for God because I think that's what I'm supposed to do. I want it to come from a place of relationship. Um, And I think that's where Martha got off track here, you know? Like, look at what it says. A woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. It doesn't say Martha and Mary invited him. Martha did like, hey, Mary, you want to have him over and have a huge party? No, Martha says, hey, Jesus, come into my house. So Martha's like, sweet. Or I mean, Mary's just like, sweet. I'm going to just listen to him. I didn't invite him. I'm just going to go hang out and learn from Jesus, you know? Like, I want to spend time with him. Which she was choosing, as Jesus says, the better thing. But Martha's indignant. She's upset. She's like, why aren't you helping me? Look at all the work I'm doing. Look at everything I'm doing. Why aren't you helping? And then she goes to Jesus, and she's angry. And she's like, Jesus, tell her to help me. Do you see how pathetic this is? Like, I'm doing all this work on my own. Tell her to help me. And Jesus, right away, gets to the heart of the matter and says, look, Martha, you're actually anxious. You're trying to perform for me right now. You're not doing all this just to serve me. You're doing it because there's anxiety in your heart. He says, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. It's not good to serve from a place of anxiety. (laughs) That is like a huge pitfall. I know because I do it all the time. So he's just telling her, look, I want you just to be with me. Don't be offended by what um, Mary's not doing and by all the stuff you are doing, but just focus on me. So we see Martha gets angry or Martha gets offended, right? And what does she do? She's angry and she kind of lashes out. Who can relate to being angry when you're offended? Right? Like that's like the core reason you're offended. Like that's the core. That's like one of the first things you feel when you're offended is you get angry and you're like, something's not right here. Like I got to do something. I got to be mad at somebody. Well, today is the day of Martha's redemption. All right? Because... I know there's another story I read where I feel like, wow, Martha kind of flips the script and now Mary's the one that's offended and Martha's the one in a place of peace. But I'd never seen this before, all right? This is John 11. And this is the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Which, by the way, you know that like, we only call it that because we know the end of the story. You know, like that, that story, they're not just walking around like, can't wait for Jesus to get here and raise him from the dead. No, they're all disappointed and mad at Jesus and they're offended and they're heartbroken. And Jesus is entering into an environment and a situation of incredible angst, anxiety, all kinds of stuff. Grief, rightly so. Like, I can't imagine what that loss would be like. You, you should be grieved in that moment. But Jesus is coming into a place where I would propose to you, it's not like, they're not all exactly excited to see him, especially late. 
uh, as they say it, uh, as we'll see, they, they interpret it. So Luke eleven twenty eight. we're going to read this chunk. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Shows you where Mary's at. She's in like lowest of low. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Basically, it is your fault. (laughs) It's not this sickness's fault. It is your fault, Jesus, that he is dead. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Isn't that cool? He wasn't deeply troubled and moved in his spirit because of Mary's offense at him, which I'm going to unpack in a second. He was moved because he saw what they were feeling. Jesus had so much security that other people lashing out at him, their emotions, they didn't keep him from missing their heart. They didn't keep him from seeing, seeing what they were experiencing and seeing them, you know, with love still. So, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? All right. So talk about coming into a little bit of a hostile environment for Jesus. It's already incredibly sad, negative environment. But then on top of that, a lot of people there aren't a fan of Jesus at this point. I would propose to you that Mary didn't go out to meet Jesus for a reason. Let's look at the next, let's look at the, the scripture right, uh, right preceding this. In um, John eleven seventeen. this is what happened right before Jesus sees Mary. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Really quick, the Jews that came to console them, some of them had bad hearts. Because remember what they said? Couldn't he who opened the eyes of the blind have healed him too? So like there's a, there's a whole atmosphere being created around Mary right now that is, I think, stirring some things, some, some anger in her. So console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. You see that? Mary didn't go out. Martha goes, but Mary, the person, the lavish lover of Jesus, the one that sits at his feet, the one that, you know, um, we all want to be like, she was so disappointed with Jesus that she wouldn't go out to see him. I think she was offended. I think there was a little bit of offense going on in her heart there. And then look how this ends. Um, Martha ends up saying the same exact thing to Jesus, but there's a very important difference. Remember, the first thing that Mary said to Jesus was, Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. Look at what Martha says. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but. Even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. That but communicates, I trust you. 
it's, you're, I feel a little let down. I'm confused by what's going on right now, but I know that you still love me and you have, you know, you're good because even, even now God will give you what you want if you just ask. So there, like, there's some faith going on there for Mary, but even more so there's just like a heart that hasn't taken this little like seed of offense in, you know, think about who's ever been stung by a bee before. Okay. What do you do when you get stung by a bee? You say, ow, but then you go and get the stinger out, right? You pull it right out. When I was a little kid, I remember I was, it was a birthday party once and a a little bee got into my juice box and it stung me on my tongue. Yeah. Ow. And, uh, you know what I did right away besides cry? I ran to my mom and she took it out of my mouth. She pulled the little thing out, the stinger. I didn't just go, oh, that hurts so bad, but I'm just going to keep swimming and I'm going to go eat and I'm going to have fun. I'm going to play. No, I, I, I dealt with it right away because it was causing me pain. What I want to suggest to you is when you get offended, you need to deal with it right away. You can't let that thing sit. You know what, what happens is the poison seeps in. That's what's happening. Like if you leave the stinger in there and you just mess with it or you say, oh, I'll get that later, you start to get a welt. You might get a little infection even. Because there's poison seeping into your body. There's a wound that you wouldn't deal with. Dude, why is it easy for us to do that with offense? Are you, are you more like, or should I say as Wilson, I mean, just, are, are, we, are we more like Martha and, man, I get angry when someone offends me? Or is it easy to be like Mary and to withdraw? To go, I'm not coming out, Jesus. I can't. Like, you let me down. I, I can't. You let me down. Who can relate to with the withdrawing thing? I think, honestly, that's, that's a bigger problem. We're more prone to withdrawing. Because as a culture, we're not very direct. <laughs> we uh, are, can be passive easily. We can um, punish people with our silence and with our tone rather than confront an issue. But not us, guys. Not us, okay? Not the people in this room because there's, uh, there's a world that needs us to influence it. And if we're too busy being offended by it, we can't love it well. Every moment you get offended, your, your influence decreases. Every second you let that stinger sit in there, you lose influence in the relationship of the person next to you. What I want to talk about now is how do we deal with it right away? What are the things we can do to just yank that um, bee sting right out? That we're not later on. I mean, there's a whole other message we could give about how to handle reconciliation and healthy confrontation and um, like resolution, conflict resolution and, and, and all that stuff, which is, we'll give that sometime. But right now, what I'm talking about is how do we nip it in the butt? Or is it the bud? I think it's the bud. Nip it in the bud. Is that right? I never know. Well, do you guys want to hear a time about I get, I, I'm going to tell you a time I got offended, okay? I'm not, I'm not proud of this. One of my good friends recently got engaged. And we've been good friends. Our friendship has really grown over the last couple of years. It's a pretty deep friendship. We hang out regularly. Um, I, I'm, I kind of like him a source of influence and encouragement in his life. I pour into him a lot. So when I found out, so I knew he was getting engaged. And when he got engaged, I was so stoked. And right away, I just thought, okay, they'll probably ask me to marry them. 
You know, I do, I do a little bit of weddings, so I'm like, cool. Like, they'll probably ask me to marry them. Sweet. It'll be fun, you know. And he doesn't ask me to marry him. And in fact, he gives out a sa- he gives me a save the date. And I'm like, okay, so now I officially know I'm not marrying you. Because you wouldn't set the date, you know, without making sure I'm free. And... <laughs> Because I'm going to do the wedding, you know? Like, what do you, how are you going to have, how's this going to work? Like, what if I'm busy? Um, and it's just, honestly, at that point, like, it was like, my suspicions are confirmed. He's not asking me to marry him. Ugh. And what I did was, I started to withdraw. I'm not proud of this, okay? But I started to withdraw. And I mostly started to withdraw around that topic. I just avoided it. When I'd see him, when we'd hang out, when we'd talk, I just avoided that topic. Well, my withdrawal burned so deep that I just got angry. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I got to talk to him about this. I'm going to like, you know, figure this out. And I, we're hanging out. I said, dude, so who's marrying you guys? And he's like, Luke is. (laughs) No, (laughs) you did. No, no. What is his last name? Luke who? (laughs) Tell me right now. And um, if you don't know, if, if you're kind of new around here, Luke is the co-executive pastor, my best friend since I've been seven. Um, and there's a healthy rivalry, obviously, between us. And before, I, I didn't say any of that, and I tried to, you know, keep that reaction that I just showed you guys internal. And the response, immediately, though, the next thing that my friend said was, because I want you to be a groomsman, Wilson. I want you to be in the wedding. Like it was a really hard decision to want you to marry us or to want you to be groomsmen, but I just want you to be groomsmen because you're like one of my closest friends and da 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 da. And like it just, it means more to me for you to be in the wedding party than for you to marry us. And I was like, take that, Luke. What's up? What's up? Were you like, let me, let me go get Luke real quick. Hey, Luke, I just want to explain to you now. But, Honestly, I just like immediately felt like the biggest idiot in the world. I'm just like, dude, I was like, dude, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry, man. Like, I came in you totally the wrong heart right now. You got to forgive me. And yes, I'm so honored. Thank you so much. Like, I love you guys, blah, blah, blah. And um, what would that scenario have looked like if I had just pulled that little stinger out right away? What if I hadn't gotten to that point? That's what I want to go after, guys. That's what we can do is we can just pull that out right away. I can be like, oh, wait, they don't owe me anything. Ha, ha, ha. Everyone owes you something. No, that's a lie. They don't owe me anything. I love them unconditionally. I don't, they don't need to do something for me to make me happy with them or to make me support them. This isn't about me, you know? Those are some of the underlying things that we're feeling when we get offended with people. So let's laugh at these lies. Is that okay? If you were here a couple weeks ago, Steve Backland, pastor from Bethel, was here, and he taught us that it's, it's important and it's catalytic that we actually couple joy with the process of renewing our mind. And so around here, when we laugh at a lie, we're not trying to make light of a situation. We're just trying to infuse joy into any circumstance. Because it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. 
Is that cool? You guys ready to laugh? Get your laughers ready, okay? Some of you need to clear your throat because you're going to cough and not laugh. You're going to be like, oh, oh. What's happening there is a demon is coming out. All right. So here's some lies associated with offense. Let's laugh at these. I can't control my reactions to others. Ha, 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 ha. It's hard to not get offended. Ha, ha. I am a victim of other people's behavior. He, 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 he. Ha, ha, ha. Here's a, this is one that's actually hilarious, because when you say it out loud, it is just absurd, but I subconsciously fight this all the time. It's okay for me to judge other people's intentions. <laughs> so, there's two typical ways we respond to offense. Anger or withdrawal. No one is above either of these. I think all of us battle, maybe one is more likely for you than the other, but just do a quick self-assessment, decide what am I more prone to, because now I want to go after what are the things we can do to nip it in the bud, to stop, to before the, before the poison seeps in, before we've gone down that path, how do we just undercut it and go, no, I'm not going to let that dictate my emotions towards this person or my love for this person. This week, God spoke to me and he said, this is actually where this, part of where this message came from. He said, Wilson, today, instead of ever being offended by a person, I want you to be offended by the thought of being offended. Wilson, today, instead of ever being offended by a person, I want you to be offended by the thought of being offended. When we take this to heart, we're going to have relationships that prosper. And relationships is how the kingdom moves forward. We're not, we can't do it on an island, man. We need to link arms with other people. And so the, the, having good relationships is so important. And it, it'll just end us, it'll keep us from so much God has for us, the relational drama. So here are, the two, um, here are my two points for how to offend the spirit of offense. And when I say the spirit of offense, I'm talking about two things. There's two things I'm talking about. One, when I say spirit of offense, I'm not talking about a demonic spirit or a supernatural thing. I'm just talking about a mindset. Like, have you ever thought about it like that? Like, have you ever heard someone say, like, the spirit of the way you're thinking? They're not necessarily talking about a demon or something supernatural. They're talking about a way, a, a habit you formed of processing the world. A mindset you have that's not healthy, that's not godly, that's not um, based on your identity in Christ and, and in God. And so that's, that's one side. We, gotta, we have to identify lies we believe, identify old ways of thinking, and replace it with truth. But another really true thing is that our battle is not against flesh and blood. That the battle we fight isn't just the things we, it isn't things we see predominantly. Like, Paul, that's how Paul said it is. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. I always want to water that down and say, our battle is primarily not against flesh and blood. But dude, what Paul's getting at is, there is a spiritual realm that influences the natural realm way more than any of us think. Way, way, way more. Now, the cool thing is that we have the Holy Spirit. And he's like super kick butt and way better than all other spirits. So we don't got to be worried or fearful. But we just got to acknowledge that like, I need to constantly be joined with the Holy Spirit. That, that's who I want to partner with. That's who I want to listen to. That's who I want to whisper in my ear, not anything else. And so um, here are the two things that I have for us. Number one, 
Consider others better than yourself. In Philippians 2, it says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. What this means is, or, or one of the ways I would, I would kind of paraphrase this is, make the choice to put people in a place of honor in your heart and mind. Decide to have a glass half full perspective about everyone. Don't start with anyone in the red, okay? Start with everyone having grace, believing the best about everybody, assuming that they had good intentions, even when it looks terrible. Don't start by thinking you know. Dude, it's just, we all have story after story after story of how stupidly wrong we were because we assumed we understood or knew someone else's intentions. Can I get an amen to that? Like, can't you relate? <laughs> we got to cut that out. We can't assume we know why other people do the things they do or their motivations or we know the whole situation. Now, I'm going to get even louder amen from husbands about like doing this with their wife, right? <laughs> How many, who here, what husband here has learned that their wife is smarter than them? <laughs> Smartest people in the room just put their hands up quick. <laughs> All right. I'm learning that. And this is, this one is just saying other people are, I'm going to consider not that I am worse than other people, but I'm going to think higher of people than I even think of myself. It's not, I'm going to think low of myself, but it's, I'm going to think even higher of that person I think of myself. Not thinking you're smarter than everybody is part of this. A couple weeks ago, a lamp broke in our bedroom and I was like, you turn the knob and it kind of flicker, then it go right off. And I was like, oh man, something's wrong with like the wiring, you know, like there's something electrical going on here. And uh, my wife was just like, why don't we just change the light bulb? And I was like, no, it's not the light bulb. Like you see how it flickers like that, babe? That's because of the circuits. And I just started like trying to explain something that I didn't know anything about, you know, all of a sudden I'm like an electrical engineer and She's like, why don't we just try changing the light bulb? I'm like, no, I'll take care of this. We'll probably have to get a new lamp, but maybe I'll be able to go under the hood, you know, and figure this thing out when I get back from work. Well, come back from work, go in our room, turn the lamp on, and bam, the light's on. She's like, hey, I changed the light bulb. <laughs> okay? <laughs> we got to think better of other people than we even think of ourselves. Don't assume that you know the answer and that you are the person that has, you know, the ultimate wisdom on the issue. Assume you can learn from other people. Who's ever been in a situation where you felt like someone else started to try and teach you and you weren't ready for or asking for it? Who liked that? Who got offended by that? Right? Well, this week that happened to me and you know what I did? I said, how dare I get offended about that? I am not going to be offended by this person right now. I care too much about my relationship with them, and I care too much about the fact that God speaks to me when I least am likely to um, know it's coming to let this offense actually start in my heart because I think that they have this bad intention. You following me? Like, we got to just, boom, grab it right when it starts. We got to say, no, I'm not going to be offended by what I think is happening. Here's another one. Who has ever had an idea... And you're like, you know, with other people. And then before you get to share your great idea, someone else shares the same idea. 
And you're like, no, I thought of it too. I, th- I swear, I, I was thinking of that too, and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, trying to finish their sentence, you know? They're already telling the idea, and you're like, and I will do the same thing too. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. That's a choice, that's a chance where you have to get offended. And now here's what makes it even worse. When you actually already said the idea, and everyone's like, no, I don't think that's going to work. And then someone else shares it, and everyone's like, that's a good idea. Like, that's a million dollar idea right there. That's going to change everything. That happened to me this week, okay? And I just had to go, no. It's a good idea. It's good for us. I'm going to go. I don't need to get offended right now because I didn't get the credit for it or whatever. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, like, take this out to lunch and try and figure out, do I need to, uh, you know, like, tell everyone that that was wrong of them to not like my idea, but then like when another person said it, and no, I stopped it before I went anywhere there, and I, I see back into this, we can think on purpose, and I thought, is that a thought I want to have? No. Goodbye. (laughs) Here's my last point. Take every thought captive. This is the one of the most powerful ways we can offend the spirit of offense, and it's by taking every thought captive. In 2 Corinthians 10, here's what Paul says. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that bow in obedience to the anointed one. I love that. We take it like a prisoner of war. Every deceptive fantasy that opposes God, every arrogant attitude, that's what it is, man. That's what we're dealing with is our own pride in these moments. And we can say, hey, nope, that's not me. That's the old Wilson, or that's just straight up an attack from the enemy. I'm not going down there. I just, I'm just going to stop it right here. It saves us a lot of pain, and it blesses our relationships. So here, taking a thought captive, what this is, is you're thinking about your thoughts, and then you're deciding, am I going to embrace or reject this thought, okay? So, to end, I just want to pray for you guys. You guys want to stand up as I just pray really quick and um, wrap up the service? So remember, the two ways we can offend the spirit of offense. Consider others better than yourself and take every thought captive. So Jesus, I just release grace over the room right now. Would you give me grace to take every thought captive? Thank you that you don't call us to do something you don't give us the ability to do. So Holy Spirit, I accept your power right now to take thoughts captive. Just say, Holy Spirit, I accept your power. So Father, I just bless everyone. I just pray grace right now for us to be change agents in relationships, to not take offense, but just to release hope and love in all of our relationships. And right now, I just pray, I just felt like God said to me that there's fire starters in the room. There's people with passion in the room. And I just want to say, I bless you. I'm thankful for you. And I just break shame off of you because I think sometimes we, we start to embrace shame over being too passionate. And we're told, don't be so excited or whatever. But I just bless you for being passionate. I just say, other people need that. In Jesus' name, I just bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.